Let's pray. Father God, what a great reminder that you love us, that you are for us, and that you will hold us. And oh, how we need a Savior whose arms are strong enough, whose arms are big enough to hold all of us fast, to hold us close in the midst of any storm, to remind us that we're beloved and we're yours. God, it's the greatest place to be is in your everlasting arms. And we thank you for them in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, if you will turn with me to Psalm 139 as we continue in week two of our sermon series, Summertime Songs. Well, this week I recently just ordered a couple of new shirts to wear when I go to the beach. Because when you've reached my age and my weight, the kindest thing you could do for anybody around you is to wear a shirt. And so I have a, a few favorites that I've had over the years uh, that, that have kind of gotten stains or old. And I wanted to get a kind of an upgrade. Uh, and nowadays you can find anything on Amazon. I knew what I wanted. You know, those shirts that kind of sleeveless so I could show off the pythons. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yet was breathable at the ocean, you know, so... I ordered the shirts and they came in the mail and they're a little bit different than the ones I had. So I was anxious to look at them. I'm kind of looking at it, making sure that everything was okay. And it had a really big tag on the inside. I hate those tags on the inside. I don't know about you. They get so irritating. You know, they always find you in the worst places and you want to rip those things out. But the, the tag intrigued me. It had a, a picture of the American flag and it said that it was designed and tested in the good old USA. Right underneath that, made in China. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, what, what kind of garment is this, right? I mean, what, what makes something a garment of worth? Uh, what, what gives it its worth? Uh, make, what makes it quality? Certainly it's who made it, uh, probably where they made it, uh, certainly how they made it. Uh, it was a little bit confusing when you had a tag that, kind of wants to tell you, well, it's designed and tested. How do they test the shirt, by the way? I'm just kind of curious about that, especially if they knew what it was being used for by me, right? But anyway, designed and tested in the good old USA, but, but made in China. So is this quality? Is this something that I can trust? Well, as we navigate the second week of the sermon series, Summertime Songs in the Psalms, We are going to learn that we have reason to sing. Because why? Because it's our God who has created us. It's our God. He is the one who has designed us. Our God, He is the one who has made us. And He is the ultimate craftsman. Now let me hit pause. I promise that you probably have all heard that God has made you before. And if you're online, you'll probably say, well, yeah, I have heard this. But listen, listen in. Because we live in a culture that our mirrors and, and our lives are, are going to tell us, are we of worth? Where does our worth come from? We're people who try to be self-made people. And we need to be reminded, when we see rightly who it is who made us, we're going to sing. We're going to sing His praises. Now, through this sermon series, I want to make a, a, a little bit of a note here. Uh, each time you're going to see, like last week, we, sang, we were singing to the God who forgives me. This morning, we're going to be singing to the God who creates me. 
And there's with intentionality that I'm using that first person pronoun, me. Now let me tell you something. Almost all of the promises that we have in God's word are plural. They're us. God loves us. God loves his church. God loves his bride. And we have to be careful if we just read scripture so myopically that it's all about us. It's all about him and his glory and the good of our neighbor. But with intentionality, I wanted to say me. Why? Because I'm hoping the Holy Spirit and the unfolding of his word will cause you individually to sing his praises. This is for you. This is for me. This is for us collectively. But hear this, the reality of who you are um, as God's people individually and what he's done for us. We're going to see three things this morning. We're going to be singing to the God who created me. And that voice is going to be looking to who God is and sing to who God is who created me. We're going to be singing for the way God created me, uh, this craftsman and how he did it. And we're going to be singing to the God who leads me in the way everlasting. So again, we're going to be looking at Psalm 139. This is a psalm that is attributed to David, uh, an incredible psalm, a well-known psalm. Uh, Let us hear God's word this morning, this holy, inerrant word. Draw in and listen to what God says to you and to me. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's, it is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. He takes a big turn here. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. But search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the reminder of who it is that made us. And how it is that you have made us. Oh God, we thank you for the reminder of who you are. A God who is all-knowing. A God who is all-present. A God who is all-powerful. And God, without the cross, that would be absolutely terrifying. But because of Jesus, that is comforting. Oh God, would you come and would you speak through a broken sinner like me? God, would you use these words of mine to to bring glory to who you are? God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds that would understand your word? Would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and that contain the good news of the gospel, God, would you use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior Jesus? Would you use those things to lead us into the way everlasting? Would you use those things to strengthen your church to live for you, for your glory and the good of our neighbor? We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we're going to see is we should be singing to the God who created me. Sing to the God for who He is. And the use of, this is kind of poetry that David uses here. This, it's a phrase called mirrorism. What he is going to use, he uses a, a sort of poetry to describe truth in a beautiful way. Mirrorism is to take opposites. It's going to say something like this. As far as the east is from the west, he's going to say, I'm going to give you these opposites to say, this is a reality as far as the east is from the west and everything in between. So God is going to use this beautiful poetry to describe who he is in Psalm 139. And the first thing we're going to see in this passage, especially through verses 1 through 6, is our God is an omniscient God. Omniscient, probably not a word that you use every day, maybe a word you're familiar with or not, but here's what it means. It means that our God knows all things. There's nothing that our God doesn't know. How does it say in Scripture, again, he's using this mirrorism, he says that God knows when you sit and he knows when you rise. He says he knows your thoughts. He knows your coming and your going. He knows your paths. He knows your ways. He knows your habits. He knows your routine. He knows what time you like to make your coffee and how you make it. He knows what time you like to go to bed. He knows uh, all the things about your life, that the things that you have to do that, that are nature, the things that you choose to do. He is familiar with everything about you. It says that He knows your words before you speak them. Wow. He knows it all. He's omniscient. All-knowing God. But there's more. He's not only all-knowing, but He's omnipresent. You could probably figure that out. Omnipresent. He is everywhere present. 
And what does this tell us? The reality is, is there's not one inch in the cosmos. There's not one place in all of creation that you and I could ever go, ever flee to, that God is not fully present there. It's incredible. We are never outside of his presence. Oh, it could feel that way sometimes. Is it not true? Sometimes God could feel so distant, so far away, as if he's forgotten us. And we see even the psalmist often say, where are you, God? How long, O God? But in the reality of God's character, here is the truth. We cannot go anywhere, be anywhere, that God is not there as well. I think this is why God knows all things. Part of the reason God knows all things is of his being. Part of the reality is he's everywhere present. When you, know, when you pray to God, I, I, I often, and I, I do the same thing, oftentimes we pray to God and we describe to him his life, our lives as if he doesn't know. Hey God, I'm on I-4 right now and traffic is really heavy and I'm, gonna, I'm late and I'm going to ask you God uh, to, uh, to help me out here. Oh, wait a minute, you're on I-4. Oh, oh, traffic. Oh yeah, I hate it when traffic is heavy. And again, it's good to let God know where you are. He's, he's not going to be a father who says, come on. But I just want you to know, you will never be able to pray a single word that God isn't like, I know. But remember, he's so gracious and loving, he doesn't slap us around from that. And it's funny to listen to our prayer sometimes, that, that we describe to God our circumstances. And I think a lot of ways we're just describing that for ourselves. But this is going to teach us in verses 7 through 12, that there's not a place that we could go. Ascend to the heights, he's there. Go to the depths, he's there. East, west, he's there. There's no place that we could go to hide. So not only is he his omniscient God, knowing all, not only is he omnipresent God, present everywhere, he's omnipotent God. He's all-powerful God. And the way that this psalm will tell us that he is all-powerful God and how he creates all things. Scripture is going to tell us beyond Psalm 139 that God has created everything, watch this, out of nothing, ex nihilo, by simply speaking. That's power. The power of his word to create the cosmos. The power that he has to hold all things together. This is an all-powerful God. But Psalm 139 boils it down and says, this is the power that God uses to create you and me. I love the fact that it's very individualistic. God didn't say, I just made humankind and I just let them procreate and it just happened. No, no, he says, listen, I was there in your mother's womb. I was there knitting to you together. He is there right now in Jesse Fleming, my daughter's womb, knitting together twins. Come on, Lord. May they be lovers of Jesus. He's there. And he is powerful. He creates all things. All powerful God. Now, I love what the psalmist says. He says this in verse 6. Now think about it. If he knows all things, he's everywhere present, and he's all powerful, what do you do with that knowledge? In verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. That's the positive side for this. Oh, Lord, your knowledge is so great. It's so high, and all I got is this gray matter right here. There's no way I could get it all in this. It's too much. Or it could be this. Such knowledge is too difficult. Man, this makes my head hurt. It's too difficult for me. It's too overwhelming. Oftentimes, people think about God, especially if they don't know him personally, because overwhelming. Is it not overwhelming to think of a God who knows everything, a God who is ever-present, a God who is all-powerful? 
But you've got to see something so clearly about Scripture. When you realize that God does know all things, is everywhere present, is all-powerful, do you know that the cross of Jesus Christ changes everything? If he knows everything, if he knows everything about us, he knows the truth about us, ooh, if he knows everything, we can't hide who we really are. Isn't it good to know he's forgiving? Isn't it good to know that we could sing to him like we did last week, a God who forgives us? And see, that's the beauty of the cross, is that we now could come to a God who does know everything, who is everywhere present, who is all-powerful, and sing to him because of what his son has done. Say, ask a similar question in verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? You ever notice when your kids, and I'm sure not our kids, because our kids are so good kids, but when a kid wants to do something wrong, do they want to do it in private? Do they want to sneak away into the dark? Don't they want to not be seen? Is it not true? Okay, forget our kids. Those are easy to pick on. How about you? You know, your foibles, your sins, the things that you have a hard time kicking, it's probably things you want to do and not be seen. It's probably things you want to try to get away with and try to get away from the gaze of the world or maybe a gaze of a spouse or maybe a gaze of someone else and try to hide. Um, but the reality is we can't hide from God. And that can be both negative and positive. Think of Jonah, the prophet Jonah, right? God says to Jonah, okay, Jonah, I got a job for you. I'm going to send you to the nastiest place on all the earth. It was called Nineveh at that time. It's the most powerful place on all the earth. And these people are bad and they're pagan and they don't believe in me. And trust me, I'm going to send you there. And I want you to tell them that I'm going to destroy them in three days. And Jonah says, thanks, God. Find somebody else. I'm out of here. And he runs. And he runs. And here, here's the funny thing. Jonah runs from God. Really? Really, Jonah? Do you think the raging sea is going to keep you from the presence of God? Because even in raging seas, God has fish that swallow prophets that are rebellious. That God's will will be done. So, when we can't go anywhere out of God's presence, that's... that's Kind of both terrifying and comforting, is it not? I mean, it can be really terrifying. But remember, the cross of Christ changes everything again. Because of the gospel of Jesus. Because, listen, because of Jesus' perfect life, because of Jesus' atoning death and resurrection, we've sung about it beautifully. Great song selection again this morning, Scott. It was magnificent. Because of that reality, we know we don't have to fear God's knowledge. Why? Because we're not righteous, but Jesus is. And we are sinners, but Jesus paid it all. And so when Jesus, when God sees us and sees us fully and completely, we don't have to fear it because of the cross of Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear His presence. We can come into His presence. He says, don't come uh, 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 you know, don't come as a slave. Don't come fearfully. Come boldly into his presence. How in the world can sinners like us come boldly in to the holy presence of God? Only because of his grace and the work of Jesus. But now because of that reality, he says, come. Come boldly. Come just as you are. We don't have to fear the presence of God. On our worst day, in our worst situation, in our worst habits, we don't have to fear it. In Christ Jesus. Oh, apart from Christ, we should. 
Apart from Christ, God's wrath remains upon us. We don't have to fear his power. Because the one who holds the cosmos right now is so tender with us, so loving with us, that he will only use his power, unlike sinners like us, he will only use his power for his glory and for the good of the neighbors, for good of us. That's how he uses power. I mean, that's, that's what, we have to fear it. Is it powerful? You know it is. I, I, my, my dog Zoe, I mean, anytime it thunders, she, she's terrified. You know, just hearing thunder. You know, I mean, you probably have dogs that are like that. Just hearing the power of something they can't control. Or, you know? And we think of the reality of who God is, His power. We too, apart from Christ, should be terrified. Do we get this? His knowledge, His presence, and His power. It's either going to be comforting or it's going to be terrifying, depending on where we stand. And it really is because of the work of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. If God were not all-knowing, if, if God was not ever-present, if God was not all-powerful, would we have reason to sing to Him? Let me say it in the negative. If there was something that limited His knowledge, if there was something He couldn't solve, if He's really not the wonderful counselor, if there was something that was truly beyond His presence, if there was something that could truly thwart His power, listen, we not only have no reason to sing, we have no reason to believe. Because if there is something more powerful, it's, uh, that's the God, not Him. If there's something that's a knowledge behind Him, He just doesn't know everything. I mean, it all slips away. So, the reality is, is He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. And He is worth knowing and singing to. Secondly, singing for the way God created me. The first thing I'm going to give you is this, and it doesn't come out of Psalm 127, but it's a part of bigger scripture. It's, it starts in the beginning of the book, in Psalm 127. He tells us that God created everything. It's a beautiful way he starts to tell us a story, and how he and he alone created all things for his glory. And he did it by just speaking, but, and, he, and he looked at what he created, he said, it's good, but there is something very good about God's creation, is that he made male and female in his image. In his reflection. And we got to begin with the reality of, of all things that God created. They all point to him. They all should sing his praises. But we are made in his image. We are the most precious thing to him. Why? Because we reflect him. Not because of our preciousness. We're dust. Because of his beauty and reality. Our worth is and always will be found in our reflection of God's image. Who we reflect. God, again, created all things for himself, but he made us in his image. And here's how he made us. To know and to be known by God. Oh, thank you, God. You created me to know and be known by you. To love and to be loved by God. God, thank you. That is how you created us. And our worth is found in our creator's worth. No matter what the mirror tells you, no matter what day you're having, remember your worth is found in your Creator. Secondly, fearfully and wonderfully. We are created fearfully and wonderfully. We are, we've been made by the ultimate craftsman, the ultimate master craftsman. It was God Himself who made us. And I, I know our brokenness and our sin makes us self-loathe. I know that it makes us look at all that we're not. But let us look to what this psalm says. That the ultimate master craftsman has made us fearfully with respect and honor. He's made us wonderfully with beauty and dignity. This is how each of us has been made. 
What does this tell us? If God is the one whose image we bear, and if God is the one who's made us fearfully and wonderfully, life is precious. Your life is precious. There's a debate that still reigns. Whose lives matter? Well, we're going to know that in Scripture it's clear that all lives are, do matter. All lives because of why they all, all of them, those who acknowledge God and those who don't. Those who love Jesus and those who hate Him. I mean, those who vote the way that you do and those who don't. Those who look like you and those who don't. All lives. Why? Because they reflect the Creator. And reality for all of us is lives in the womb and lives of outside the womb matter. And that's why I prayed for Choices Women's Clinic. That's why that we support life, whether that is in the womb, whether that is in a nursing home, whether that is an athlete that is in top shape or anywhere in between. Life is worth protecting and celebrating. Amen? Fully known and fully loved. Verse 15. We long, this is what we all long for the most. Listen, you, you and I long for it. We long to be fully known, and we long to be fully loved. But the truth is, is we're afraid. Because if we're really known, will we really be loved? Will there be somebody who finds something that disqualifies them from loving us, we, even in our spouses and our families? You think about dating and courtship. What do we do? Do we tell them all of our junk? <laughs> Do we tell them who we really are or we put our best foot forward? Please like this person, uh, whoever this person may be, so I could show you who this person that you should like. And here's the reality is that you spend time in marriage that you can't hide that. Is that not true? After 33 glorious years, thank you, Katie, for knowing the truth and still loving me. But even beyond what she knows is what our God knows. Listen, he knows you fully. He's not surprised. He's not wringing his hands. In Christ Jesus, he's not just saying, oh, if they could only get it. You are fully known in Christ Jesus, and you are fully loved. And that's the good news of the gospel that makes our hearts to sing. Do you know that beautiful reality? And then he says he's going to, uh, the way we are made, we are, he hems us in, hem me in, behind and before, verse 5. This too can have both a positive and a negative connotations. Think of forces, think of military forces that are hemmed in. If you are hemmed in as a military force, that is not good. You have nowhere to go. You are surrounded. You are in trouble. You need help. So what is a world does it mean when God tells us, hey, I've hemmed you in. I've surrounded you. I'm before you. I'm behind you. I have a hedge of protection around you. Here's what it means. Nothing will happen to you. Nothing will happen to me. Nothing will happen to God's children that doesn't pass through nail-pierced hands. Is that not good news? That's the beauty and the reality. He has hedged us in. Now, i got to tell you, what He allows in, I can't understand sometimes. I mean, so sometimes I'm like, whoa, 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 you hedge me in. You, you love me. You're for me. How did this get in here? How in the world is it for this for your glory and my good? How are you going to redeem this pain? Again, we've lived long enough, you know, that our God is loving and merciful, but His ways on our ways. And I know the reality is that He's hemmed us in. And he's got everlasting arms. 
But I also know the reality that we live in a broken world and that brokenness has affected his children. That the floodwaters come against us just like they come against the pagan. But we've got to know that nothing's going to happen to us that doesn't pass through his hands. And then verse 16, how do we made? Well, he's allotted all of my days. All of our days have been numbered before one comes to be. Before one of our days came, God knows them all. And I love this reality. Now, here's what this is telling us. Listen, be good stewards of your body. It's the temple of your Holy Spirit. Take care of yourself. Eat better, will you? Work out a little bit more. Right? I mean, take care of yourself. But you've got to know that when it's your time, no, 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 no. When it's God's time, it's God's time. You're not going to, no matter what you do, no matter what you eat, no matter how much you exercise, watch this, you're not going to live one more day than God has allotted to you. Before one day has come to be, He has written them all down. He knows them. It's a mystery. Some are longer, some are shorter. But I want you to know, as a minister, I have such comfort in this. And as a Christian, you should too. Sometimes we say, God, why? How come? It's not fair. Why now? I don't know. But this is what I do know. This is the number of days that God has given us. But in Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. And days without end. And there is our hope. Here's the reality of our God. He is so strong and powerful. He knows all things. He's everywhere present. He's all powerful. He's created us in his image. It's a beautiful thing. He's hemmed us in. He's made us fearfully and wonderfully, and He's given us the number of days we're going to have. And that's just the reality of who God is. Let me ask you this question. Where do you measure your worth? Is it the mirror? Is it your bank account? Your popularity? Your title at work? Or in the God who created you? Only one will truly cause you to sing and keep singing. Sing for the way God has created you. And then lastly, singing to the God who leads me in the way of everlasting. It's interesting. He says, search me in verse 23. How does the psalm start in verse 1? Those of you who have your Bibles open, look at verse 1. It says, you have searched me, past tense, and you have known me, past tense, and we've just made it very clear that God knows everything. He's everywhere present. And yet at the end of the psalm, why in the world would the psalmist say, now, by the way, God, search me? Why would he do that? Well, he knows that God already has. And he's basically saying, search me, O God. And, and listen, this is scary. And know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. He's got the courage, the boldness. Do you to say, see if there's any grievous way in me. You know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, God, turn on the searchlight of my life. Turn on the searchlight and let's do a little examination here. Let's see what needs a course adjustment. Who does that? Only one who understands God's grace. Only the gospel, listen, only the gospel gives us the freedom and the safety to ask the all-knowing God to search me, to try me, to show me any grievous way. Only when you know that you are known and loved, only when you know that you are forgiven and free, only when you know your maker and your redeemer, do you dare to ask God 
to search me and to know me. And when I have the courage to ask him that, I said, and make sure you find Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because that is the only righteousness that I have. And that is the only hope that I have. But God, I'm yours and I'm still falling forward. Search me, but lead me. Verse 24. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me to live out the gospel in word and deed. God, lead me. I'm yours. Show me your ways. Cause me to walk in your truth. Let me be like the blessed one you talk about in Psalm 1, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Help me to be that blessed man who delights in you. As Paul will say in Philippians 1.27, let me walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. You see, the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus and all He has done should have great implications on how we live. And Psalm 139 teaches us that being led in the way of everlasting, we should be humble before God. Man, are we a broken mess. Boy, do we see dimly. Are we sheep that are prone to wander? And look at who God is. We need to live our lives in humility before God. We need to live our lives comforted by God. Comforted because of the cross of Christ. Because of what He has done. That we have comfort. That we are known and truly loved. And we should have this encourage us to live for God, for the glory of our great God, and for the good of our neighbor. All right. I told you about the shirt. I told you about the shirt that I started and bought with that tag. Let me ask you the question. If you had a tag on you, what would it say? What would it say about your maker? What would it say about the design and the craftsmanship? See, we would realize how much worth we have and what reason we have to sing when we realize that what is on us is a tag that says, made fearfully and wonderfully by the God who's created everything and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, God's Son. We have creative worth and we have redemptive worth. And the Lord's Supper is going to remind us of the worth that we have to Jesus. That He would lay His life down for us. That He would purchase us with His blood. That we're twice His. We're His by creation. And we're His by redemption. And we have reason to sing. Let us prepare our hearts for the sermon of the Lord's Supper. To meet Him there. This meal that represents our family connection to our great God through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And let us prepare our hearts for that by reciting again uh, the beauty of the fact that God is for us and with us in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this reminder. Thank you that we have reason to sing your praises for the one who has created us, for how he has created us, and to sing in the way he leads us in everlasting. God, thank you for this tangible reminder of that reality. And God, I pray that you would come and feed us through the broken bread and the poured out wine 
You would feed us and strengthen us and tune our hearts to sing. Remind us of the worth as we see this broken bread. And it reminds us that Christ's body was broken for us as we take and eat. And God, remind us of our worth when we see this this juice, this cup that represents Jesus' blood shed for us. Oh God, how you loved us enough to make us in your image. How you loved us enough to redeem us through your Son. How you loved us enough to fill us with your Spirit. And we're so grateful. We have reason to sing. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.